Welcome to SkyTel Insights. Every episode, we offer dental and aesthetics industry leaders business, financial, operational, and M&A strategy. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is James Turcott, a partner here at SkyTel Group. And today, I have the pleasure to be joined by Cameron Hemphill, CEO of Growth99. Uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You guys have an incredible office here. This is uh, super cool, so I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, he is actually the first one to be live in our podcast studio, so we're excited to have him as a guest. Um, maybe if you could just give a little bit of, of insight around Growth99, you know, where it was born from, how you kind of came to be, and uh, we can jump in from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we, I come from a long-term background when it comes to CRM, digital marketing, um, technology, really looking at all aspects of sales and, and service and process flow. So, you know, we started Growth99 back in 2016 um, with really a mission to help practice owners solve problems. And when, you know, we look at practices in the aesthetic space primarily, you know, they, they need to have, depending on where you are in your life cycle, they need to spin up websites, they need to have a CRM system, they need to spin up social media, they need to have a, a tool to manage all of the data points where people come in that are interested in services. So first off, how are you found, right? And then how do you manage that follow-up to convert this lead or opportunity into a long-term patient? And so throughout really our experience and just kind of analyzing the market, that's how Growth99 was formed, was really to solve those problems and needs and help practice owners succeed and just continue to scale their practice through marketing avenues. Got it. Very cool. Um, yeah, and I, I know we've seen a lot of activity from you guys just in the marketplace and, and, and the active role that you play there. And so, you know, the aesthetic industry has grown a ton over the past two to three years. And, you know, consolidation is one thing, but you know, where marketing is born from and, and how it's utilized, just how have you kind of seen it evolved from 2016 to today and, and the different things that you've had to kind of assess and, and kind of manage through? Great question. Um, you know, so when, when you look back at 2016, it, it feels like just like a different world. Yeah. Especially in this industry, as you know, it's, it's grown extremely fast and very robust. And, you know, I was just joking with you early when I walked in, there was a, happened to be a new wellness center opening up around the corner. Yep. Right. We see it all the time. And so, um, you know, when we first came to market, it was really focused on like localization in terms of like SEO, true agency stuff, yeah. websites, you know, social media creation, driving traffic to sites. And now when you look at the overall landscape, like the technology is still pretty fragmented when you look mm -hmm. at EMR systems, CRM systems, websites. And so as we look at the landscape now, we're desperately trying to create that gap in terms of saying, okay, you have entry points where leads come in or potential patients, mm -hmm. right? They come into the website, they hit your DMs, they can hit your you know text messages, your referrals. There's all of this communication that's taking place and it's not consolidated on one platform. Sure. So what we quickly found was like, hey, we need to create a CRM system. Mm -hmm. And we started doing that project about three years ago. Um, and, and the nice thing is I've actually been in the CRM space for over 20 years. Native Salesforce guy, built CRMs for real estate companies. And so like, I know how these CRMs need to flow, right? And so I think that really kind of gave us a really cool competitive advantage in terms of understanding it, building it, and having a great team that can execute. And so when these leads come in or these potential patients come in, the practice owner now has a platform to manage the follow-up sure. wherever the entry points are, right? And so now it's centralized. And let's say a lot of these patients don't book, 
right? A lot of people are interested in services, but maybe they don't, they're, they're not committed yet, yeah. right? And I think the marketplace has definitely gotten more educated over the time, but w- when you look at it still, there is opportunity where they, it's like unused treatment, mm-hmm. right? There's a tremendous amount of unused treatment in practices. And so now they have a system to where they can fall back on, send a mass text, send an email, really drill down to exactly knowing what to send them at the right times and helping get more, more bookings and, and repeat clients. Yeah, it's awesome. And I, I know, you know, from a Skytail perspective, when we start to look at clients, um, where are the opportunities that are sitting within these practices that as they scale, you know, maybe when they move from one location to two or three, um, they may be missing on that a lot of the revenue at location one. And so how do you kind of identify some, some of those things? And so I thought it was fascinating when you talk about kind of unrecognized type of revenue. And so perspective in your mind, how, how should owners kind of attack that piece of when is it the right time to start marketing? Like patient flow is everything. Uh, it, it is really the, the precipice of opening the new location. So from a strategy perspective, anything that they should think through there of the best times, how to do it, what are the best, best methods? Um, what does that kind of look like for you? You know, yeah, great, great question. Um, it's the life cycle of marketing is pretty interesting. I think you could, you could analyze marketing in so many different ways. A website, this is a tangible, like I look at a website as your digital brick and mortar practice, mm-hmm. right? You, you move in, you actually have your physical location. People can come there, they can get treatments, but your website is, it's the online version, right? And so that, that's a piece of marketing. Now you have, you know, TikTok, you have, you know, Instagram, you have YouTube, you have Twitter, you, you, your threads just came out. Um, it's, it's a life cycle of like, hey, when do I turn all of these things on, right? And so if you're just starting out, you need to build out the foundation, websites, spin up all your social, uh-huh. make sure it's all connected, you know, and then as you start to grow, like maybe going from one location to two, or just revenue starts to increase, you start turning into the growth phase. You and I have been on some yep. panels talking about that. Um, revenue starts to increase. So, so when you look at true like marketing, you know, you, you can say, okay, well, I have these tangible assets, like my Instagram account. That, that is a tangible piece of real estate on the internet. Mm-hmm. Your Google My Business, right, where you can get reviews and credibility. Uh, your website is another component. But, but then marketing, like turning on ads, you know, like running robust Facebook ads, Instagram ads, yep. Google ads. And starting to attract just really more views, more impressions, more clicks, mm-hmm. more leads, that's what's really going to take you from like, like, like super, you know, ma- like premature growth yeah. to the mature growth phase. Yeah. And, and to follow up on that, you know, from a, as a scale, I feel like the brand becomes even more of a presence, meaning mm-hmm. you want it to feel like it's the same business, whether it's in Dallas or it's in Houston. Like if you walk into Skytail Med Spa or Growth 99 Med right. Spa, like it should feel the same way. And so how does that approach from a marketing perspective kind of take hold? Because I, I would assume you'd want the same thing like that approach. Now, maybe strategy is different in different markets, but how do you kind of visualize that in your mind because I, I think a lot of people are invested in the brand, hopefully and not the people, or that's the ultimate goal at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so that's a very big challenge. You know, I, I see a lot of practice owners struggle going from one location to two mm-hmm. and multiplying that up to four, five, six, ten, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, you really need to look at it as more of a systems and mechanical, tactical type of operation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like, almost like 
I mean, it, like how a McDonald's is ran, right? You can, you know, get the same, you know, hamburger at one location versus a different state, different country, whatever, right? Yep. So it's all systematic. Different people, I, I get it. And, and that analogy is, is used really from a branding standpoint is when someone enters these locations. And if you want to go from one to five to ten, mm-hmm. it has to have the same flow, the same branding. And so I think really, you know, processes and, and procedures when it comes to branding and having a director of marketing is critical at that stage. Awesome. Uh, I mean, to build on the director of marketing, what, what are your expectations of having that role in house? And is there a right time to bring that role in house? Like, what does that look like in your mind? Because I think it is a huge component, like you're spending all these dollars on marketing, but are you being effective in what you're kind of deploying, I guess, if you will? So yeah, I think that's a great point because when we talk about scaling and bringing people in house, that's definitely one of the ones that gets brought up time and time again. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's one of the most critical roles in a practice at this, at where we are in the world right now. Um, And I see a lot of practices doing it prematurely, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's a lot of ways that you can really just create wonderful content. There's great resources where you can have somebody that is in the industry, they can create the website, they can do the SEO, they can tie the CRM, the blogs, like all the traditional stuff, run the ads, right? But it, when it comes to like curating and creating content, you know, I see a lot of practice owners that should have a full-time videographer filming them doing treatment. Yeah. You know, like if they're curating all this content, they can just push it out. And that's gonna just generate so much awareness and lead flow and you know, you're then look, you know, recognized as really like somebody that is a specialist, you know, and yeah. trusted um, if you start pushing that to YouTube and, and all the other social profiles. So um, that's going to be critical when, you know, when it comes to a really a, a director of marketing, um, I don't know if there's like an actual revenue number sure. or yeah. a profitability <laughs> number. I'd like to like maybe look at that with somebody. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at some point you have to pass the throne and it can't be somebody that is, um, you know, maybe they manage the front desk uh, and they do marketing. Maybe they do some social media for you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you really look at the director aspect, it's almost like making an executive uh, investment into somebody. Sure. You know, like a leadership position. It's a leadership yeah. position. It, it truly is. Yeah. No, that, that's great. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of our conversations, how do I fill out my management team? And that is a role that, uh, like I said, has been brought up several, several times. Um as they start to scale and as they start to kind of think through ways to create those processes, those things that happen over and over again from, as you mentioned, location one to five to 10, is that something you guys help develop? Like, are you kind of that fractional piece for them along the way? Or how does that interaction work for you with those clients that maybe if they are just even at one location, like how does that differ? I guess is what I'm trying to ask is one location or scaling. How does your interaction differ on those? Um, it's pretty easy for us to go take a practice from, you know, a great example of a story of a, of a client that's been with us for years, um, you know, studio to one location to, to multi-location several employees, you know, in, in doing eight figures in sales, um, we've been with them the whole way, right? So mm-hmm. helping them with, with the website, the SEO, you know, driving the ads and some consulting as well. But, you know, Growth 99 really should be looked at is, is not a boutique agency. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's some wonderful boutique agencies out there that can help you send out, you know, the newsletters and the emails sure. and the texts and, the, and those types of things. Like we're really uh, should be looked at more as a tech platform where we can quickly spin up a site, we can quickly do your SEO, we can quickly get everything localized and centralized and everything buttoned up so you can scale. And a lot of times practices will come to us like pre-open, wonderful time to get involved with us, 
or if they come to us where everything's kind of chopped up and they maybe they built their their site like themselves on like a you know like a Wix environment or some sort of a uh, you know other you know just widget type environment that'd be a good time to come to us to help kind of tie all the pieces together and then quickly open up locations from there. Yeah. I'm loving this in person because you kind of like, I think we're reading each other's minds. So the tech stack, like I think yeah. that's fascinating to me just as um, organizations grow, what's required of the organization from a technology. And so you mentioned kind of being viewed as that technology type of firm. What's the difference, you know, in your mind of the things that are needed day one, maybe, um, versus things that are nice to haves and are things that allow you to be more efficient maybe along the way? But uh, maybe talk about the tech stack a little bit in your mind. Yeah. So in my mind, day one, you know, like, and that's what you're referring to, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So day one, you know, it's going to be critical to, to, again, I come back to it a couple of times, but you, you have to have your digital, you know, your digital practice, and, that, and that's going to be your website. It's going to create a tremendous amount of real estate. Have your service pages, your treatment pages, your before and afters. Online booking is, is absolutely critical, mm. if, whether you're brand new or, you you know, I still talk to a lot of practice owners now that are actually in a mature phase where they, they don't have online booking, and I, I struggle understanding yeah. that. Yeah. I've never ran a practice, right? Yeah. Uh, like I, but at the same time, I know what the consumer wants. And the consumer wants to desperately book online. Mm -hmm. These are busy people that that want that are very knowledgeable in what they're looking to do, yep. and they want to click a button and book online. Um, so if you if you make that challenging for them, your booking ratio is going to drop, right? And so it's just like the great analogy would be: I was on an airplane right before I got here, right? I did not book my ticket calling the airline. Right. I booked it online. It took me five seconds. It was easy. I think I, my assistant actually did it for me. But, um, you know, it was it was that easy, you know, and so you'd really need to they need to put their their minds in the in the in the consumer's understanding of, of the flow. And so from a tech stack standpoint, you know, like you, you're again, social channels, website, CRM and then the EMR system. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to track your records, like being compliant. That's a whole other conversation. But you'd be here for hours on yeah, that one. <laughs> for sure. But lead <laughs> capture to potential lead patient flow. Like the tech stack is CRM, EMR, website, and then whatever loyalty programs as well to just build up that customer lifetime value. Got it. Um, well, and, you, and so lifetime value, I think um, that's something that I don't know that a lot of our clients recognize as uh, an opportunity of I've paid all this money for new patients and new patients now are coming through the door and, and great, we're new patients. But then when I look at our uh, recurring clients or recurring patients, maybe that's 50%, 40%, like everything I'm gaining is going out the back door. So mm -hmm. how do you guys help with, with maybe some of that? And because I think the goal is to be somewhere in that 70 to 80% range of not really letting stuff move out the back door. But that can be a lifeline of the business of if we're, if we're losing more than we're gaining, obviously that math doesn't make sense. So how do you guys kind of help on that front? Too? Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I think a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll look at a, a marketing company or a tech company and say, okay, you know, what does new lead flow look like? Right. And so, um, and really just judge them based on that performance when really it should be like, well, okay, a lot of business has taken place, but you need to have a robust checkout process, mm -hmm. right? And so we actually built a course on this uh, at Growth99. You can go to our website and there's a course on it because we were almost teaching it like during our implementation stuff, but I'm like, we just need to make this a course and they can just go through it. So that's one thing that we did in terms of educating them on, hey, how critical the checkout process is, right? And so one of the things we talk about is rebooking is critical 
you know, make sure to have a system for that before they leave. Getting them on a membership plan, start increasing that monthly reoccurring revenue, right? People are used to monthly payments. Mm -hmm. And so whether you think that this client may want to have another monthly bill or not, like we actually do, it's kind of where we are in this world. Um, it's easier, right? And so, and it's, it's probably less like, you know, pain intensive when you have a, a, an expensive procedure that you want to get done, you've already built up some, you know, like a beauty bank environment, sure. right? So, so that's important. Um, building up your reviews, reputation management, connecting on social media, maybe selling them a, uh, you know, a skincare product that goes a along with the treatment that they had is going to be critical. Um, and so, you know, that checkout process is key. And so if, if you nail that, right, and you obviously do a great quality of service, mm -hmm. they're going to come back to you and they're going to refer people to, you know. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at customer lifetime value, at least our data points on it, you guys may have something um, different, but we see a, you know, a typical um, patient will spend around $3,000 a year is what we see. Um, and I've heard some different numbers on it, but we just kind of looked at our own stuff. And they stay for about three years, right? So, so that could be that's a nine thousand dollar, you know, customer lifetime value on, on one patient. So it's a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and when we start thinking about some of that going out the back door, uh, it's painful. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's an area that a lot of people forget about at the end of the day. So, um, you you mentioned kind of the referrals, and so I think that's a huge component. So, within kind of the marketing approach, I think we've seen across the board credibility kind of matters in, in a sense, meaning um, whether it's coming from current patients, the marketing that's being done, um, how do you kind of build the brand around whether it's, uh, call it patient testimonials or how, how does the brand get built? Because like we talked about, like the goal really isn't to have like a rock star provider that everyone's just attached to and mm -hmm. they leave and now your business goes down the drain. Yep. But how to building that brand and, and I know we've touched a lot on the brand, but I think it's super important from a credibility and, and really establishing that as a stronghold. Do you do anything testimonial wise or anything like that that can kind of help boost that credibility, I guess, for lack of a better term? Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah, you bring up a great point. Um, I've seen a lot of practices thrive and they'll have these providers that they hire and they come in and they brand themselves versus the practice. And then, you know, they, they build up a million dollar book of business. They bail, they go open up their own thing. And all of a sudden they're, they, they're now a competitor. Yep. Right. And, yep. and I've seen it happen to some, some great clients of ours. Um, you know, which is unfortunate. I think that, uh, that's now being recognized as the advances take place in this space. Um, you know, but, but what, if I was, if it was my practice, you know, and, and I hired these great providers that maybe had a following, you know, had a clientele because providers do naturally build that up. Sure. I would make it a requirement that, Hey, this is, you know, you're, you're a wonderful provider, but we're all a team here. This is a brand, right? And so like aligning their social media with that, aligning the testimonials with that, um, is going to be critical. Um, one of the features that we do have in our platform form does help with Google reviews, Facebook reviews, yeah. kind of helps that automation and then brings an automated testimonial feed to their website. Oh, cool. So that's one of the things that we do have. But when it comes to like video testimonials, like I didn't bring that up, that would be a great thing to have in your checkout process. Mm -hmm. You know, give us a quick video testimonial, like have a little station, maybe like, like this or like an <laughs> iPhone holder. Yeah. Give us a testimonial really quick and then we'll give you X amount of dollars off off your next treatment. Right. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, if you do it and share it, like tag, you know, if you tag us or however you want, like there's other ways to do it. Right. 
And that creates so much credit. And it's free marketing. It's free marketing. And, and I mean, that's where when we start to think about like the acquisition costs or what it means to spend dollars associated with those new patients, like those are things that to us feel easy uh, right. to an extent. But uh, obviously there's a process and all that gets developed. But um, when, when we think about what a patient means, $9,000 for a patient and because you took, had someone take a video and right. now it gains one patient for you. Well, I didn't have to spend anything for $9,000. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. It's feels an interesting easy. world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We live uh, in a great world right now. It, <laughs> that is for sure. Um, you know, I, I think as we start to kind of wrap up, you know, I, I think the industry, as we talked about, has grown a lot. Um, even, even the last year, it feels like we go conference to conference and it feels like the conversations just get greater and greater in scale of what's happening within the industry. And so maybe just what have you seen, um, you know, over the past year and what advice would you have for people kind of within the marketplace looking for a marketing firm or kind of trying to, to kind of push on the marketing front uh, as they get going or if they're established, how do they, you know, do better? Yeah. Great question. It, it, it's yeah. Dude, I remember my first conference. Um, and I was walking around like a lost puppy <laughs> still do feel, feel like that sometimes, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it's changed a lot. I mean, you, you see the conferences get bigger. You see the venues get bigger. Um, I, you know, seen, I was back at the AmSpa conference. I think we were at their first one and it was at a different venue. Now mm -hmm. the, the win, I think last year, uh, attendee count was higher than it ever has been mm -hmm. this year. Obviously we're going to aesthetic next, which is, you know, tomorrow and this yep. whole weekend, attendee counts very high, they had to change venues, yep. right? Um, which is wonderful. So you see these conferences growing and then you see micro conferences, you see all sorts of conferences taking place. It's almost now like, which ones do you go to? You have to vet them. We're having that discussion. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's interesting it to is. see. Yeah, so the landscape, you know, for, for guys like you and I is, is definitely changed. The conversations are getting bitter. Uh, the strategy is getting bigger, um, you know, and, and the tech is coming along. Yeah. There's still some, you know, fragmentation there that needs to be solved. But from where it was to where it is now, if I was, if you're a practice owner, you know, starting now versus then, well, maybe you don't have the the run rate, right? But but the technology and the advances has gotten you know very much more robust. Yeah, yeah. I think you know it, it's been fascinating to see the technology because I think people are now trying to figure out the enterprise view of things, and that has been a huge conversation piece. And I'm sure we could go on for hours about that. Um, but maybe maybe episode two with yeah. with, with Cameron, <laughs> we can we could touch on that a bit more. But um, no, I think anything else on your mind that you want to kind of touch on? Anything that we missed about Growth Ninety Nine that you know want to make our listeners aware of? No, I, I don't think so. I think that was um, I think it was great. I uh, you know I. One of the things that if you guys are, are, you know, if you haven't come down to Dallas, make sure to come down, visit Skytel Group. These guys are amazing. They have an awesome setup. Um, and if you don't know what they do, make sure to, you know, <laughs> dive in and find out what they do. They, they offer a great service. They're a great group of people. And uh, they're doing great stuff in this space. So I appreciate you guys uh, having me and uh, wish you all the best. Thank you. Yeah. And, and uh, to cap it off, how should people get in touch with you? Uh, if they're reaching out, maybe email, phone, what's the best way to, to reach out? Just go to growth99.com. It's the easiest way to do it. Growth99.com. And you can dive in. All of our stuff is there. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming. And we appreciate you being uh, the first guest in our live studio here. Love it, man. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. Thank all you. Right, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to Skytel Insights. If you like the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review.